Hello, welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand. If you're new to the show, allow me to briefly introduce myself. I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist, a certified functional medicine practitioner, and a nutritional therapy practitioner. I run a functional medicine clinic via phone and Skype consultations. I've got clients as far as New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, South America, and the good old United States. And today we're chatting with my friend, Dr. Justin, about the importance of the immune system and adequate levels of stomach acid and enzymes in terms of preventing and treating infections. Before we get into that show, let me tell you about our sponsor, Kettle and Fire, our first sponsor of this show. I've had so many offers of different companies promoting anything from organic energy drinks loaded with sugar to paleo protein bars loaded with sugar, and a lot of these things just don't sit right. So I told you I'm going to find a good sponsor, and I did. So Kettle and Fire provides shelf-stable organic bone broth. I have about 15 boxes of the chicken bone broth in my pantry right now. I will likely drink some of that today. It does gel when you put it in the fridge, so we know I've seen the behind the scenes, but we know just based on when you refrigerate it, when it gels up, you know you're getting a good product. You're going to get your cysteine, your proline, a lot of the amino acids that are important to heal the gut lining. When we're talking about infections and leaky gut, bone broth is a staple for any protocol with my clients. Whether it's before, during, or after a gut protocol, I always suggest bone broth, whether it's homemade or kettle and fire. So get your 20% off of your first order. It's notjustpaleo.com slash chicken and enjoy here's the show oh last thing if you're interested in scheduling a 15-minute free consult with myself to discuss functional medicine your health symptoms your health goals you can do that back at my website not just paleo.com and you'll see the button at the home page here we go evan how we doing man and again facebook people you gotta click on the link here um i'll put it in the comments to see evan's pretty face so we can go back and forth on this Ev, how we doing man <laughs> What's going on? I'm feeling really good today. We've got blue skies. The trees are blooming, which they probably Love bloomed it. a year ago in Austin. So I'm enjoying myself. Very good. So we got podcast on demand. So if anyone wants to write in some suggestions as we chit chat here, we'll figure out what exactly we want to talk about moving forward. Yeah. And I might as well post a link over here to my Twitter page and see if uh, people are paying attention over there. That way, if they've got questions, they can get them answered here. Love it. Totally makes sense. Same thing. Anyone on Facebook too, ever chimes in first, we can get this thing moving. But let's uh, just talk about some clinical successes in the last week with patients. Any updates from you, man? Yeah. So an interesting update is uh, there's a female client that comes to mind and she had seven, I believe I'd have to go look back at her stool test and count, but I believe it was seven infections. And this was a combination of two parasites, which uh, let me just pull it up. That way yeah. I'm not just uh, shooting into the dark here, but uh, with these infections, we started a gut protocol and symptom improvement was seen. She was having a lot of irritable bowel symptoms, uh, running to the bathroom. So she showed up with H. pylori, blastocystis hominis, and dentamoeba fragilis, and proteus, and citrobacter. Wow. Uh, and microsporidia. Somehow, calprotectin levels were still low, which is intestinal inflammation marker yeah. that Justin and I look at, but I was surprised. And so anyhow, we put her on this protocol, and this is like eight weeks, and the H. pylori, while it's still positive, instead of two virulence factors, now she's got one virulence factor, the level of H. pylori has dropped, the citrobacter is completely gone, the proteus completely gone, 
the blasto is completely gone, but we've still got Dindamoeba. So there's still a parasite and there's still the H. pylori there. So we've got work to do left. You know, we still got work to do, but yet we've seen three or four things disappear. And so I think what the takeaway message is for me is that the body is going to heal in an interesting way. It may not heal everything at, at the same time. Some things may be easier to kill. Some things may disappear first, but you've got to heal yourself, especially your gut, your microbiome. You've got to heal this thing in layers, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, so typically what we see with a lot of <clears throat> patients that have chronic issues is there's some underlying stress, right? Emotional, physical, chemical stress, but even deeper above and beyond that, there's some level, there's some infection that's deeper that's creating inflammation, even though it didn't show via calprotectin, or it's creating malabsorption, or it's just creating leaky gut. And then the whole leaky gut mechanism is uh, getting the immune system fired up. The more the immune system is fired up, it's just an energy suck for your body. It's like, um, let's say a guest uh, in your guest bathroom that you never go into in your house and they just leave the water on just a little bit, little drip, drip, drip. And then you get your water bill at the end of the month. And you're like, what the heck did that bill come from? And then you're like, oh yeah, the faucet's on. But it's like that with your energy resources. When you get these bugs, it really, when the immune system's overactive and even just the leaky gut, right? The more your immune system's overactive, the more it's going to suck your energy dry. That's why when you get sick, the first symptom you get when you get sick is what? You get a lot of fatigue and malaise because the immune system is sucking resources. Go ahead. Well, so I want to hear I want to hear a, a recent case from you, but first I want to ask you the question that I get asked all the time. And the answer really doesn't matter because we need to fix the root cause no matter what. But people often ask, well, chicken or egg? Was it that man my immune system got taxed first and then I picked up these bacterial pathogens or these parasites? Or did I pick up the parasites and the bacterial pathogens and then that sat my immune system? What's your take? Can it go either way? Yeah. So it typically is one of two scenarios, right? Typically, someone gets exposed to a very high amount of infectious debris, right? Parasitic parasites. Let's say you drink some really bad water. You go to Mexico, have a really bad meal, right? Foreign country, you get the 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 Bali belly, so to speak. And then <laughs> you're overwhelmed with all of that infectious debris. And then there's so much of it, it compromises your immune system. You get diarrhea, you have a lot of gut inflammation that creates malabsorption. That malabsorption puts stress on all of your glandular systems and then you spiral downhill. That's scenario number one. So just the infectious, the infection was so overwhelming, it just threw everything else downhill. Scenario number two is there's some type of immunocompromisation that's happening, meaning adrenal stress, poor diet, poor sleep, poor diet and lifestyle habits, low nutrient density, the immune system is kind of a little bit weaker underneath the surface. Then you get exposed to some of this infectious debris at smaller micro levels that are in the food and eventually makes its way into the system and creates inflammation. So, so yeah. So let me, so let me clarify there. So on, I mean, yeah. if we've, if we've got diet, lifestyle mostly dialed in but let's say people are cheating with gluten for example they've still got some intestinal permeability going on you could still have good yoga class good sleep blah 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 but if you've got just a simple thing like leaky gut for example you could potentially be more susceptible to pick up these infections regardless of whatever else is dialed in yeah i mean here's the deal with leaky gut too if you're creating leaky gut and there's some research you know on the non-celiac gluten sensitivity side of the fence that looks at these foods even if you're not like reacting to it like symptomatically and even if you're not like having like ibs like symptoms bloating you know gas constipation diarrhea that gluten can still create leaky gut where the 
undigested food particles in the gut can make their way into the bloodstream and create stress. And then the LPS that comes in there along with that, that's the, the bacterial debris can get into the bloodstream and create a lot of mood issues as well. So you can still have a leaky gut and not, you know, from gluten and still not respond to the gluten in general. Yep. Yep. I just posted a post on uh, Facebook, which I think might be uh, slightly controversial, which was, I wrote this little bit of a letter and I put kind of like these five things that have happened over the last year or so where people have said, Evan, I've ditched my psychiatrist or I've ditched my psychologist or my marriage counselor or my uh, conventional doctor because of functional medicine. And I kind of wrote the reasons why of how if you lower inflammation, you may need less adjustments at the chiropractor, for example. If you heal the gut and you start uh, producing your neurotransmitters optimally, you might not need your antidepressants anymore. So you might not need your psychiatrist. Or if you heal your adrenals, maybe yeah. you're not going to snap at your children anymore. So therefore, you're not going to need the marriage counselor that's telling you you need to stop yelling at your kids. And how basically how functional medicine can literally, not intentionally, but it's just a side effect is that we can replace these other industries. Now, I'm not saying these other industries are bad for, for mental health care or anything like that, but a lot of times this is not root cause medicine. And uh, my wife and I went out to eat with a friend of ours yesterday, and she said she had a lot of stress. She had to put her dog down, and she called up her psychiatrist and said, hey, I need help. I'm freaking out. What does he do? He prescribes her 60 Xanax and says, here's your Xanax bars and take these. And I told her, I said, listen, your anxiety and your stress from this issue is not a Xanax deficiency. How about we do totally. some emotional freedom technique? We start tapping. How about we clean up the diet? And then uh, before we left out in the parking lot, I had her do the quick coherence technique, the heart math, like the heart-focused yeah. breathing, and focusing on someone that she loved. And we got done with it, and she said, that was weird. And I said, what happened? And she said, I got tingly and warm. And I said, oh, it worked. And she said, well, what happened? I said, well, you just took yourself out of fight or flight that you've probably been stuck in, which is causing you to be dependent on Xanax. And now we've pushed you into that parasympathetic rest and digest mode, and she feels better. And this is what this is all about. So uh, a little bit of a, a off-subject rant, but I just wanted to mention to people, check out my Facebook post, and you'll read about what I'm saying. I'm not saying that these other uh, practitioners out there are garbage. What what I am saying is that if you're not getting a practitioner to focus on root cause, even if they are psychiatrists, if they're not a root cause psychiatrist, then what the hell are they doing? It's all about resources, right? And in functional medicine world, we're trying to help enhance your resources. So just like someone with more money in their bank account can buy more things, well, if we enhance our mental, emotional bank account via healthy and diet and lifestyle and functional medicine principles, we have more resources to deal with stress in our life, whether it's family, friends, being a parent, being present for our, our partner, just being able to do the the habits of uh, the hobbits the hobbits the, <laughs> the hobbies and the habits that we have going on in our life i got i got uh i guess uh, i'm missing my uh, lord of the ring movies there but yeah so it's all about resources right so we have to make sure that we have enough resources in our system so we can allocate them towards these stressors and i always tell my patients have you ever tried dealing with stress on zero night sleep or try doing your taxes the next day when you're like getting three hours sleep? You're just not going to be able to handle it. You don't have the resources. So everything we're trying to do is let's test the resources of our, of our body systems. Let's look where the hormones are at. Let's look where the gut resources are at. Let's look where the detox and nutrient resources are at and let's support them and let's work on fixing them. 
Well, the, the, the analogy I like to use is we're just using a big spotlight because a lot of different industries in healthcare, what they do is they use like a little laser pointer or like one of those tiny little keychain flashlights and they shine something real dimly into one corner and they're like, oh, Justin, it looks like we found something. We found some anxiety issues. Here's the Xanax. But instead, we come in with a giant spotlight and we're like, whoa, look in this left corner of the microbiome. We've got parasitic and bacterial infections, which can steal your nutrients can mess up your blood sugar and cause anxiety. Look over here. We've got some adrenal issues. You've got spiking of cortisol that's going to need to be addressed. And then we shine the spotlight over here. Oh, take a look at uh, detox pathways on the organic acids. You've got trouble over here. And then, oh, we shine the spotlight behind us. Here's mitochondrial issues. This is why you're so fatigued. And that's the, I think that's the greatest analogy. It's, it's a little laser pointer or a little small keychain flashlight, which is just pinpointing one industry of psychiatry or psychology or whatever versus exploring everything, which is why for you and I, it's tough for us to become the blank guy. You know, there's people out there, the thyroid guy, the detox chick, the bone broth chick. You know what I mean? It's really going to be tough for you and I, I feel like to just say we're the blank person because yeah. I don't want to limit myself. I want to let everyone know yeah. it's all encompassing. And then for yeah. us to niche ourselves down, I think it's a bad thing. Yeah, and again, from a marketing standpoint, right, marketing is just telling the truth attractively. You know, it's good to have a niche because you want to reach the people that have special conditions because if, like, my specialty is thyroid. Number one, I have I had a, have or had a thyroid issue. It's under control, autoimmune thyroid issue. So I'm more passionate about that issue. But again, to treat a thyroid issue, you have to be able to treat all of the systems. So it's kind of a mythology. Like you don't ever just treat thyroid. You treat the whole thing. But you may market and put information out there that's going to resonate and speak to someone with a thyroid issue more. But again, the underlying issue is from an education and clinical standpoint, we're addressing the key underlying surface issues and the deep root issues as well. So we're never ignoring it. So we may speak to someone uh, more specifically and get into the more nuances of that condition, but it all comes back down to the foundational stuff that we always talk about. Right. I would say my specialties would be it's become parasites really i mean i'm seeing so many each week and it's just so fun i guess because i had parasites you little uh, parasite you <laughs> yeah and and also depression i mean just because depression's what got me into this whole thing ibs and depression in college i mean like i told you before i had to figure out when i went into a college class well, where's the bathroom because i may have to get out in the middle of the class and go run to the bathroom and so yeah. for me depression ibs parasites you know those are all linked together the, the whole uh, gut brain connection and i really am empathetic for people that have struggled with that because it is so common and if you get diagnosed with ibs that's a pretty generic diagnosis and unless you're working with functional medicine practitioners you're going to get an acid blocker anti-spasmatic or some Absolutely. other type of drug and, and well and actually you too were diagnosed with ibs right i mean they use the anti-spasmodics they use the medications to help with the gastroparesis you know the well, they never things moving if they even do that well, they never got to use yeah. them. They tried. They wrote me the prescription pad, but I did, I denied all three of the drugs. And the thing is, too, we can also use natural medicines for a lot of those things. Now, it may not fix the root cause, right? There's root cause medicine, and then there's using natural medicine in a way that's going to help alleviate the symptoms, that's going to upregulate physiology so things work better. But we have to still be investigating and digging to the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're dealing with someone with gastroparesis or low motility, we may add in things like ginger. We may add in things like carnitine. 
we may add you know higher amounts of mag citrate to keep that uh, migrating motor complex moving but we are still digging in deep we're still making the diet the lifestyle we're still enhancing digestive nutrients uh, hydrochloric acid enzymes and then we're digging deep for the infections and we're trying to lock in those diet and lifestyle habits right the supplements are great because they can give us that symptomatic relief while we continue to dig over here to the root cause so as long as you have you know that forward pacing vision that addresses some of the symptoms without the side effects you know of some of the drugs which may have more side effects than what you're treating and then working on the functional medicine plan i think we're in a really good place i agree yeah i actually had a good good success with that uh, ib synergy product from designs it's got the binigut in there it's got the 5htp i had a guy with just super bad ibs and i said man i mean he was critically critically stricken with both diarrhea and constipation just alternating every other yeah. day so i got him going with that 5-htp vinegar blend and he got better now we started to wait for lab results but yeah i mean sometimes we will do some of the quick fix uh band-aid situations to fix things but we've still got to work backwards i guess Absolutely. we should answer these questions uh should we answer the question about the cancer the cancer question here or should we just make a whole show on that in the future yeah we'll do a whole show on that i'll get some experts on i got dr david jockers coming on next month as well he was in the truth about cancer series and we'll go into ketogenic diets and we'll talk more about therapeutic ways to address cancer outside of just the natural chemotherapy so we'll hold that one that we need more time for that yeah agreed uh samuel asked what is the tapping technique can you show us well since most of our audience is going to be audio listeners we're not going to take up the airtime to show you the technique but the best resource is eft evan frank tom eft.mercola.com and you can just view the different uh acupressure meridians that you're going to tap and then also you can learn about the affirmations that you can use for emotional freedom technique and that's something uh, justin and i use all the time i, I think it's helpful i'm going to just give it like 15 seconds of airtime here so just i do two hands because it's i think it's more efficient but you just tap the inner parts of the eyebrow the outer parts of the eyebrow, under the eyes. I do under the nose and the bottom part of the chin at the same time. And then I do both collarbones. So I do this and then you can go to the top of the head and you tap midline. So I'll do two hands because I just feel like you can get more stimulation. So I go here and I'm just thinking about this, whatever's pissing me off in my life. I just think about it. And I kind of <laughs> give, give it a number. So if I'm at like a six out of 10 regarding irritation, I just think about it. Whatever that issue is, whether it's like, you know, the person driving in front of me so slow, whatever. And then I try to knock that six out of 10. So if 10 is the worst and the six is like 60% to being at the worst, I try to knock it down to a four to a three. And so every round, every two rounds or so, you kind of just check back in and see if you knock it down. And the goal is you kind of want to knock everything down to a three. Yeah. And for then me, so I start I start at the top of the crown, which I yeah, guess you can is do that. probably many you can ways. Do you can and start you there, can do... you can end there. Now, do you do the sides? Like I know Mercola, he's real big on the side of the rib cage under the armpit. Yeah, I mean, I do that too sometimes. It just it just wasn't good for uh, video. Yeah, right so you crisscross? Yeah, I'll just, I do two at the same time just because of stimulation. No, I, I mean, mean, you crisscross your arms yeah. for the underarms. I usually do yeah. like this, like a monkey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then finish with the wrist. I've typically finished by tapping the insides of the wrist together, then doing the affirmation. So even though it's I'm angry or even though I'm anxious, I deeply love and accept myself. But you've got to say the affirmation verbally. I tell people if you can. If you're just embarrassed, then don't do it. But why be embarrassed? Nobody, Nobody's paying that much attention to you. Yeah, and it depends too. Like you can you can do this stuff, and you can kind of say it in your head. Like if you're at night, if, let's say if you're lying in bed and you're kind of just really stewing on something, and your wife's next to you and you don't want to wake her up, then you can just kind of think it in your head, and then you can just you know do the affirmations, tap like this, 
and then you can tap here and think about the issues. I like to, to end it though with a positive thing. So you can end with something positive. So then I just go into like what it is I want to manifest. So I'm going into like, all right, I'm thinking about whatever I'm going to try to create or produce in my life. I just tap it while I'm thinking about it. And the whole idea of tapping is you're just stimulating various meridian systems that have been mapped out via the acupuncture system for thousands of years. And really what it's doing is it's neutralizing the negative response that's stored in the limbic system or in that subconscious, if you're more on the psychological side of it, and you're trying to kind of rewire it so you can get a good pattern there instead. So then naturally that reflux is to go back to the better thing, not to the negative thing. So if you do the affirmation about the bad part, will you do like an uh, affirmation about the bad part and then an affirmation for positive? Yeah, so I start off with the negative and just try to lessen lessen it first. Because yeah. if you're feeling negative, it's really hard to be positive when you're negative. So I try to decrease the negative to about a three, and then I go into the positive. Because then you're in a better place to deal with the positive, right? It's kind of like when someone tells you to relax and you're pissed off. I'm like, relax, relax, calm down. You just want to punch them, right? You're just yeah. like, no, I'm too wound up. Come on. So I want to get that dialed in. And then now I'm relaxed. Now I can rewire it and create some good positive things. I like it. I like it. So should calm we, down first and then, and then work on manifestation. Should we answer a couple more questions yeah, here? Let's hit it, man. Let's hit it. All right. So uh, Salam asked, how long does it take to heal from hypochlorhydria? Totally depends, right? If you have emotional stressors that are unresolved or you're eating foods that are incredibly inflammatory, maybe never. But if you're making the root causal changes and you're managing your stress and you're fixing the underlying gut stuff, I would say within three to six months, you have a really good chance of not needing hydrochloric acid to digest your food. But again, everyone's different. The longer the, longer the issue's been going on and the more severe the infections and the more infections that are layered in there, I'd say longer up to a year at least. Yeah, I'll just add my two cents to that yeah. too. If you've had a previous history of uh, prescription uh, acid blockers, proton pump inhibitor, inhibitors, or now what's over the counter like the Zantex or the Tums or anything like that, or if yeah. you've had H. pylori, which we've chatted about many times, then I would say it may lengthen that time to, to fix that stomach acid issue. Yeah, the longer the gut's been worn down, the more the immune system is revved up. Like you get patients that are just super sensitive to every little thing. Like I can't even put in an enzyme. I can't even put in uh, apple cider vinegar or lemon juice or just the smallest fermented food and it sets them off. That's when it's really hard. And then you're looking at a couple of years to really dive into it because the immune system is just so revved up and is so ready to attack the smallest invader that it's so hard to put things in to help it heal it because it's looking at everything as a foe, not a friend. Right. And we really, really have to baby step in those cases. So that's why. It totally. Takes yeah. I mean, just like you heal with, you know, food is medicine there. You go really slow and you do lots of things in broth form and soup form. So it's so palatable. There's very little digestion that has to happen. And typically one supplement at a time, one nutrient at a time, titrate up from low to high. Even if it's something that they can handle, if they go at high dose off the bat, their immune system just freaks out. Well, I want to hit on something you just mentioned, which is if we're talking one to two years, that takes extreme patient, extreme patience for patients and clinicians because for us, that is a very intensive case for us to take totally. on. And, you know, maybe this is to toot our own horns. Maybe it's just calling out the obvious that we do take the time, you know, with people we're working with. Sometimes it may be 30, 45, even an hour long call for a follow up just to take these baby steps. Where as 
let's just say some of the clinicians that we've seen out there, it's too cookie cutter approach and they don't have the mental bandwidth or capacity for empathy to baby yeah. step these people. So it's, here's your cookie cutter protocol. Good luck. Where with us, yeah. we've really, really, really got to get super detailed. Yeah. And so this is why if you go and you buy like a leaky gut online program or some other type of program and you get limited results and then you come to us, we're not going to be surprised if you suffered through that and you didn't get good results because at the end of the day, that's why Justin and I haven't created online courses at this point because it's hard for us to sleep at night thinking that we've created a, a program that's too cookie cutter. We've really got to figure out a way that we're going to be able to work in all of the minutia and the small details and the variations, variation A, B, and C, and D for different people. Yeah. So uh, if someone uh, packages something up all beautiful and says, oh, it's $297 and all your problems are going to be healed, uh, please be a little bit skeptical of that. I agree. And I talked to you about a patient that I had today that emailed in that was dropping out of care. And we try to always set realistic expectations. This person just had their labs reviewed a month or two ago and had multiple parasitic infections, severe adrenal dysfunction, HPA axis dysfunction, and then a lot of issues on her organics tests, uh, detoxification issues, mitochondrial issues. And we just started with some simple adrenal support, made diet and lifestyle changes, and she had some, some side effects. So we, we tried to cut things down, go slower, and we were going to kind of reconvene and work on supporting detoxification, but the person had dropped out. Now, the problem is to have expectations that things are going to work off the bat when so many things are wrong like that, expectations are incorrect. So a lot of people, they have preconceived notions, even if you spell it out to them and you let them know, here's where we're at now, here's where we're going, they forget because they, they want it done now and they think because things didn't work in that initial um, in that initial experience that there's no way to fix it. So continuing to harp on patients and managing their expectations, even though they have a lot of stuff they're projecting from past failures, we kind of have to get through it and make sure expectations are real and that make sure they know, hey, here's where we're going now, here's where we're going next. And we have all these things ahead that may have to be dealt with for us to really see great changes. Yep. Yep. Well said. Uh, we've got another question here. Let's hit them. Let's hit Stevie's question. After all GI infections are eradicated, how long does it take the gut to fully heal all my infections are gone, but I'm still dealing with IBS, leaky gut, and issues after H. pylori. I'm going to hit on this first, Justin, if you yeah. don't mind. I know what you're going to say, by the way. Okay. So <laughs> we'll see if, if you're right if you on say it, If you say it, I'll, I'll tell you that I was correct. Okay. All right, please. All right. So here's what I'm going to say. You say all your infections are gone, but you're still dealing with IBS, leaky gut, and issues. I would like to know what test was this that says all your infections are gone because I bet all of your infections are not gone. Yes. Ooh, I knew it. That, yeah, so you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're totally right. And then also just making sure that you have the digestive nutrients on board to help heal the gut lining and then the digestive support to break down the food. And then I would make the, the food more, more palatable right now. I'd be looking more at a GAPS or an SCD or more of a super broth approach to make the food just really easy to take in. No raw veggies. Um, try to keep it really palatable so the body can access it without much stress. All right, so the beauty of the internet, Stevie says, Stevie replied, and he says DRG. Well, um, just missing a lot of them. It's missing a lot. You got to do the DRG with the GI map. I all, I never do the DRG by itself for the most part. Always both. You got to do both. And yep, if there's so, still a DR, still an issue with the DRG and the GI map, I would then go to the four one eight side by side. 
Yep, agreed. So Stevie, um, not that you know, we're not diagnosing you. That's not what these uh, calls are for. But hey, uh, Justin and I have seen a lot of false negatives with DRG and some other tests out there. So potentially some stuff going on. And then I would like to add a couple of uh, points about like the the issues, the leaky gut type stuff. You know, make sure you're doing some of the easy supports too. You know, chamomile is great. You can do chamomile in a supplemental form. You've got chamomile teas. Uh, you've got L-glutamine. So there are some leaky gut supplements that while you're still trying to figure stuff out, you can still be taking supportive nutrients in the meantime while you're waiting for retest. Absolutely. Totally. Let's hit the uh, last question there by E. Santorelli. Let's see here. Just diagnosed with Hashimoto's TPO and TGB antibodies. 465 is that high. Eliminated the foods, gluten, dairy, soy, balancing blood sugar, hard with five kids. What should I focus on next? So 465 is definitely high. The LabCorp reference range for TPO is 34. Anything 34 or above is considered positive. Or I think it's above 34. 34 or below is considered positive. Anything above 20 for me, I consider to be subclinical. So that is high. Anything above or around 500 is definitely high. I've seen patients at 2,000 though. I've seen patients go from 2,000 to below 100. Now, my goal is to get people, if I were you, I'd, I'd like to see a 70 to 80% reduction in that. Again, maybe you were higher before you made those changes. So I'm not sure if it was gluten, dairy, soy, that stuff was cut out and then you saw the drop. But either way, um, getting enough selenium in there, 400 micrograms of selenium, addressing the underlying infections like H. pylori, blasto, and yersinia can be common to increase the antibodies. And then um, making sure the adrenals are looked at. There's a strong adrenal thyroid connection and a lot of people who have thyroid issues also have adrenal issues. And remember, TPO is a microsomal or essentially it's a um, intracellular microsomal antibody that helps bind the thyroid hormone together. So if you're making antibodies to that, it's going to prevent that thyroid hormone, that iodination process from occurring. So making sure we have the adrenal support there because the adrenals help produce cortisol. Cortisol is an anti-inflammatory. That's going to help with the inflammation. And with the TPO there, um, you could potentially have increase in hydrogen peroxide, especially if there's small amounts of iodine getting in there. So getting the selenium will help neutralize that hydrogen peroxide into H2O, high quality H2O, which is uh, not going to be as inflammatory. Well said. Yeah. And so um, Isabella Wentz, I just did a podcast with her a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think that was my last uploaded episode. And uh, her and I were talking about bacterial infections too. So you mentioned some of the parasites and she's seeing the same thing, the parasites, but also the bacteria, your Klebsiella, your Citrobacter, and all these other autoimmune triggers as being bad guys for uh, these Hashimoto's uh, situations and these antibodies. So yep. look for the bacteria too, and you can definitely fix this stuff and you can make significant progress. Absolutely. And then one person here, Wild Dove X, says, uh, how do you test for various enzymes? Well, number one, if you have gut stress, you probably have low hydrochloric acid. And if you have low hydrochloric acid, you probably have low enzymes. Why? Because hydrochloric acid is important for, uh, for converting pepsinogen to pepsin, which is the proteolytic enzyme. Hydrochloric acid lowers the acidity of the, the chyme, which is the mixed up food in, in the intestine. That, in that food, that chyme goes into the small intestine, which the acidity then triggers the pancreas to make bicarbonate. It also triggers CCK to then cause the, the gallbladder to produce bile, and that also stimulates the pancreas to make lipase and trypsin and chymotrypsin, all the enzymes that come down. So if you have enzyme issues, you also have hydrochloric acid issues, but we can also assess it by looking at enzyme markers like elastase too, which we'll <clears throat> I'll look at that in the DRG or the GI map test. You better get that frog out. <laughs> I got a frog out. It just, like, it just attacked me, man. I'm like, ooh. 
Uh, all right. Here's my water. So yeah, uh, elastase, I think it's elastase one is the enzyme marker we typically look at for um, low enzymes. But typically, just, just assume it if we have digestive stress, just assume it for sure. Yeah, I mean, th th that's the, the same uh, answer that I would say for the leaky gut. I've had people say, oh, can you test me for leaky gut? And it's like, yeah, we can go to Cyrex and spend 500 bucks if you want to. But based on your symptoms, I guarantee there's intestinal permeability. You've got XYZ. And we can we don't need to spend the 500 bucks on that test. Save your money for the organic acids, your comprehensive stool panels, a GPL talks, maybe heavy metal testing. Save your money for that stuff that you can't really yeah. guess on. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, man. Well, anything else you wanted to hit off the bat here? I mean, I think I mean I had some really good successes this last week too with some patients that had chronic pain, chronic mood, chronic energy, hair loss, and I mean just really simple things. We we fixed their hormones. This person had autoimmune thyroid, um, hypothyroid as well. T three was super low. It was a T four T three conversion issue. Dysregulated cortisol. They had a lot of malabsorption, and they had a couple of infections. And we just we just took them down the map, and then just everything first time around, um, just knocked in place. I mean, it's just like you swing the bat once, and you just connect, and it's gone. Those are the patients where it's just like, oh man, it's just it's so rewarding because it's just it's easy. And then you have some patients where it's a lot more trial and error and digging in. So it's nice to have those home runs every now and then. Oh, man. I, I So I had a home run earlier with this guy that I got off the phone with named Dion. And he was on an inhaler, an asthma inhaler. Yeah. And also, I believe he was taking uh, allergy medication, like a prescription allergy yeah. medication. Maybe it was one or the other. He alternated or he was on the inhaler something. But he was on prescriptions for allergies. And all we did is we cleaned up the diet. We've addressed some gut infections. He had candida and I believe a couple of bacterial infections. I don't believe he had parasites. I'd have to look back. But I remember a couple infections, fixed the gut, uh, supported adrenals, basic adrenal support, some adaptogens. And I talked with him today and he said, Evan, I've not used my medication in the last six weeks and everything is blooming here right now. All the trees and plants and everything are blooming and normally I'm debilitated. He said, I'm completely fine. He said, awesome. how in the world, just by working on the gut, and adrenals, am I not allergic to the environment anymore? It's just like, oh, it just makes me feel so good. I see that all the time too. And hydrochloric acid is one of those things that's really great with allergies too. You notice that? Isn't that weird? I mean, it's the great. digestive enzymes, I told him, I said, man, we've got to keep up digestive enzymes. And then actually I am going to send him a bottle of some of the like natural uh, herbal antihistamines just in case because he started sneezing on the phone. I'm like, whoa, maybe you're not all the way out of the water yet. Have this on on hand in case you need it. So the cortisidin, the rutin, some of those. Um, yeah, hispertin. Yeah. The things I love for allergies, number one, just get a really good air filter. I use one by Advanced Air. You can see it at justinhealth.com slash shop. Look at approved products. I like it. It's good. Um, then your natural antihistamine degranulating compounds in my product, Allerclear, Stinging Nettle, Quercetin, and then you're going to have like some NAC, some vitamin C, and then some potassium bicarb as well. So those are really good, and you can go up to eight. The nice thing about it, just not going to be drowsy. So you can get that nice allergy support without getting the drowsiness. And then really make sure the diet's anti-inflammatory. Up the hydrochloric acid because HCL is really important with low al with, with allergies. It's going to make a big difference. Yep, yep. Ginger. Ginger's phenomenal too for allergies. Really good. I love ginger. So it's a great, great nutrient. I do teas, ginger kombuchas. There's so much you can do with ginger. Oh yeah. By the way, right after this, I got a new grill. So I'm going to go out, I'm going to grill some grass fed hot dogs. Right. And then I got some sauerkraut with some mustard and I got a nice ginger kombucha. I'm going to open up. So really excited oh. for my lunch break today. 
Nice. Uh, what what kind of grill is that? One of those pellet jobs? I actually I got a new Weber one just because I just it's my other one was ten years old and the knobs were starting to go. So I got a nice little like Weber Spirit. So it's great. It's got three burners. Love it. Um, and then I I got a smoker that I use sometimes for ribs on the weekend. It's like a four hour job. So it's got to have a day or an afternoon to kind of be at home to enjoy that one. But yeah, so. Love my grilling. Try not to get things charred. Try to keep the heterocyclic amines and the polyaromatic hydrocarbons to a minimum. Agreed. Agreed, man. Cool. Well, I I don't have anything else on my end. No. Hope you guys are liking these calls here. We want to do more. We want to connect with the listeners. Our purpose really is to serve and to help people get their health back. If people want more feedback or want more kind of like, you know, rolling up the sleeve and specifically diving into your case, go to notchespaleo.com or justinhealth.com. Click on the schedule buttons and we are here to help you out. Evan, anything else, man? That's it. Have a great day, people. Drink clean water, get rest, reduce stress, be grateful. It's going to go a long way. And then people on Facebook, I'm hoping we can get Evan on here soon. We got to just figure that out. So hopefully soon we'll do that. So Evan, great chat with you, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that show. I noticed the audio quality wasn't quite as good. I'm not sure if that was because we were live streaming or what. But since we recorded this, Justin and I have figured out a way where we can both do Facebook Live together. And we should be able to preserve the audio quality as well because we'll just be recording on each of our computers and then we'll send each other the files. So we should be able to both upgrade the sound quality even better than it normally is. And then also we're going to be doing the Facebook and YouTube Live. So make sure you're subscribed to my channel, Evan Brand on YouTube. That way you'll get a notification. I also send out occasional emails about that too. So if you're not on my email list if you go to my website not just paleo.com when you get to the bottom there you'll see the opt-in box and I'll just send you an email notify you hey look we've got a YouTube live coming or a Facebook live and that way you'll be able to ask questions on the fly and we can answer those as we mentioned in the end of the show if you need to reach out to Justin or myself we both offer 15 minute free consults Typically, two to four weeks out from the time you're listening to this show, I'll have some availability where I can spend 15 minutes with you for free, discuss your health symptoms, and let's get a functional medicine program going for you. I guarantee there's something that's been undiscovered that can be improved with your health, and I look forward to being the person to help you do that. So this is Evan Brand signing out. I'll talk with you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.